remember the story? Moses saw a bush that was with fire, wasn't consumed. And he thought, well, I'm going to see what's happening over here. And when the Lord saw that he had turned to one side, God said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Draw your shoes off. You're on holy ground. God said to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look upon God. That's the past now. Verse 6, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Now the present, he said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. I have heard their cry, and by reason of their taskmasters I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up into a land flowing with milk and honey, the place of the Hittite and the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. I have seen this. Now verse 10, And come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, Who am I? Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Moses, the featured Bible character in our current Great Bible Character series, is now seen in Exodus chapters 2 and 3. And here we will hear how Moses fled Egypt to the country of Midian. And in Midian, the priest of Midian gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses as a wife, and they had two boys. Then, in chapter 3 of Exodus, God calls Moses to go back to Egypt to bring the people of Israel, his son, out of their slavery and bondage. And God tells Moses he hears the cry of his people. He has seen their affliction. So now God calls Moses to be the man to deliver his people out of the land of Egypt. Let's open our Bible to Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 to begin. And here Dr. Mitchell teaches on this great Bible character, Moses, with life's applications. And thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. Thank you. Good day, friends. We again come to you, and we are discussing together uh, this man, Moses, the servant of God. And we've been taking up who his mother was, how he was born in slavery, and he was kept by his parents for three months. They saw he was a proper child, beautiful before God. At the end of three months, you remember, she made a little ark and put him in, and of how the princess came along, took the baby, and the mother had the baby then to raise for the princess. And when he was about possibly, I don't know, six, eight, ten years of age, he went to the palace and was trained in all the learning of the Egyptians and Moses became a man, mighty in word and mighty in deed. And again, I say, I pray God that today he will raise up godly men and women 
I may say mothers and grandmothers who will take the children before they ever get to school, before they ever go to school of any kind, and pour into their little minds the precious, precious Word of God. And I'll tell you, my friends, they will never, never get away from it. Oh, how we need that today. You know, when I think of some, some men who have become Christians, have had no background at all, and then I think of others who have been raised in Christian homes and see the contrast, I wonder where we missed the boat in training our children. I just pray that the Lord will put in parts of you mothers to do that which God wants you to do, to train and raise your child for God. That the supreme task of your life to raise those children for God, to be men and women of God. That's one of the greatest needs today in the world. Always has been. And remember, God will take the most unlikely people. Here's it. The son of a slave. Going to take the son of a slave to lead his people, the Hebrew nation, out of, out of Egypt into the promised land. When, he, when he's 40 years of age, having gone through all the schools of Egypt, he made a very mature decision. It wasn't the, a decision of the impulse of the moment, but he chose to be with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I don't want to go back over all that I have said concerning Moses thus far, except to point out it was a real choice. It took a real, it was a real move of faith to leave the throne for a hut. To leave, to be a, instead of being a prince, he becomes a slave. Leaves treasures of Egypt for poverty. He counted the treasures of Egypt nothing in comparison to walking with God. Oh, may God give us men and women like that today. And yet, you know, when he made his choice, what a disappointment to him. In chapter 2 of Exodus, you remember, uh, he went down and saw an Egyptian beating up one of the Hebrew men. And he became quite incensed about it, and he killed the Egyptian and buried him. And the next day he saw two of his brethren fighting. And he asked him, what are you doing that for? Why do you swipe your brother? Why do you hit him? He said, who made you a prince? Who made you a judge over us? Do you intend to kill us? Do you intend to kill me like you did the Egyptian? And when it was made known, Moses fled for his life. And he went down to the land of Midian, went down to the desert. Being out of touch with God, he moved in the flesh. And his brethren never did understand what he was going to do. And they rebuked him. And I want to say it's a common experience of those who try to help other people. Oftentimes you're misunderstood. When you, when you mean well, and oftentimes you're misunderstood, you're not the only one. But Moses became scared. He looked this way and he looked that way. You know, if he was in the will of God, you wouldn't have to do that. You don't have to look this way or that way. You don't care what men think about you. If you're walking with God, walking in the will of God, doing the will of God, you don't care what men think or what men say. So he fled for his life and he went down into the desert. You know, it's an amazing thing. He became a shepherd. <laughs> oh, how God can take some of these simple things as I said a while ago in one of the other lessons, he takes the, just the, the regular, normal, everyday things of life and uses them for his glory. 
He's going to shepherd a nation. So he's going to learn to be a shepherd. They're going to live in the wilderness for 40 years. This man's going to live 40 years in the wilderness. He knows all the trails. He knows all about that country. 40 years learning to be something in the court. Now he's going to have 40 years learning to be nothing. And you know, it's a strange thing. The book is silent on those 40 years, except that he, he married Zipporah, a Midianite. You remember the story? He went down into the desert, and these girls, uh, this man had, had some girls who took care of the flocks. He had seven daughters, and when they filled the troughs with water, the shepherds would come and chase the girls away and water their own flocks. And of course, they had to wait until the other shepherds took their flocks away before they could water their own flocks. Along came Moses, dressed as an Egyptian, and he chased the shepherds away. Remember, he's a man mighty in power. He's still great, and he chased them away. And the girls got home early, and the dad says, why are you so early? Well, an Egyptian came along and drove away the shepherds, and he watered our flocks. Well, where is the man? Bring him in. Let's feed him. And Moses was content to stay with the man. And this man gave Moses Zipporah, his daughter. And they had children, two boys. You see, they, they were Midianites, by the way. Rather an amazing thing, you know. Do you know who the Midianites were? They were the descendants of Abraham through Keturah. Uh, you find that in the book of Genesis, chapter 25. You remember that Abraham married Keturah after Sarah died, and he had six sons through Keturah, and one of them was Midian. And here he marries one of the Midianites' girls and stays there for 40 years. Now again, I say he was 40 years being trained in the palace to be somebody. Now he's 40 years in the desert learning to be nothing, out of touch with God. So God has to deal with them. You know, it's a, you would think that the older you get, the more you would know about God. But God has to do sometimes, do things with us that we didn't expect. I wonder sometime if I can just say this, if I'm talking to you who are preachers or teachers or missionaries, I wonder how much time you've spent on the desert with God. I know you've gone through college and you've gone through seminary, just like, just like Moses did up in Egypt. He's not ready yet. He spends 40 years knowing the ways of God, how to be a shepherd. He's going to be a shepherd of God's people. He must be taught of God. Just like, like Paul did, you remember in the book of Galatians chapter 1, when Paul was saved, what do you do? He went into Arabia and spent two or three years in Arabia before he ever had a public ministry. And then he went back to Damascus and preached that Jesus is the Son of God. See, friend, it takes more than a school to make you fit to do God's work. There must be time spent with Him. If I may just take a moment here, because I'm sure there are those who are either students or preachers or your teachers or your Sunday school teachers, maybe missionaries, or you hope to be a servant of God, giving your life to it, Remember, there must be time spent with God. You don't learn God in school. You learn about God. You have your minds filled with things about God. And a person can have his mind filled with real truth. 
and know so little of a life in God. I wish you Christians, all of us, would pray that God will raise up in these last days men, men of God, men who know God personally. It's going to cost something. I'm sure that 40 years in the wilderness, Moses was in a time of being disciplined. He's got to learn that he's nothing, that he can't do God's things by the energy of the flesh. And before he can be a leader, he must be cleansed of all self-will, self-exaltation, self-sufficiency. I repeat, at 40 years of age, he was too fast. He had all the learning of the Egyptians, but he was too fast. Now he's 80 years of age, and he's too slow. And we get that now in chapter 3, where he's called of God. Now he's ready. Now he's ready. Two or three things about that. Now he's ready to go, trusting God. Furthermore, the time is here. The time has come for Israel to be delivered out of Egypt. The cup of the Amorites is filled full. And God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, 400 years before this, that Israel would come out of Egypt when the cup of the Amorites was filled full. So God is working at both ends. Now it's time to move. And now he's 80 years of age. And Moses was keeping the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He's over there on the backside of the desert. And you remember the story? Moses saw a bush that was with fire, wasn't consumed. And he thought, well, I want to see what's happening over here. And when the Lord saw that he had turned to one side, God said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Draw your shoes off. You're on holy ground. Then he said this. God said to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look upon God. That's the past now. Verse 6, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Now the present, he said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. I have heard their cry. And by reason of their taskmasters, I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up into a land flowing with milk and honey, the place of the Hittites and the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and so on. I have seen this. Now, verse 10. And come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, Who am I? Now the time is to move. It's time to move. Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. Now at 40 years of age, with his sword, he's going to deliver Israel. Now he's 80 years of age. Hard to get him moving. Not because of age, by the way. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said, Who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, I'll be with you. Certainly I'll be with you. And this shall be a token. You'll bring them into this mountain. 
And Moses said, When I come to them, they will want to know who I am, who my God is, who sent me. And God gave him the revelation. God said, I am that I am. I'm Jehovah. You will say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me. This is my name forever. This is my memorial unto all generations. This is God's eternal name. The I am. Come now. It's time to move. You see, God's going to fulfill his promises. But he uses men to do it. I'm trying to get this before your heart. God is not going to send an angel. He's not going to send Gabriel. He's not going to send Michael the archangel. He says, come now. And Moses is at the end of himself. He said, who am I? Who am I? That's his first objection. And God doesn't call him until he gets the end of self. There's no more self-confidence in him. You know, it's so easy for us to be self-confident. You've had training. You know so much. Now you must be ready. Not so. What about self-confidence? You see, when you're self-confident, you go in the energy of the flesh. When you get to the end of yourself, then you try to get out of the job. God says, come now. But who am I? Well, I'll be with you. But who are you? You can just see this. Why pick on me? Why pick on me? Well, I can tell you of a hundred men who are better than I am. Why, Lord, pick on me? This is, the, this is Moses' life. I'm out here as shepherd. When I was a prince, mighty in word and mighty in deed, why didn't you call me then? Now all I am now is a shepherd taking care of a bunch of sheep and a wilderness place, way away from Egypt, away from the court, away from the army. You want me to go back to Egypt and lead a nation of slaves out of Egypt? Why pick on me? <laughs> I'm not the man for it. You're just the man I want. Well, if I go and tell the people, who sent you? What am I going to say? Who are you? I'm the ever-present, ever-sufficient God. I am the I am. I am the eternal God. Friend, this answers every objection of the human heart. You want to do the will of God? All he wants is you. You see, I haven't any gifts. Good. Good. Then you'll have to trust God. And he's the one who will always, he never calls one to do a job for him that he doesn't supply that which is needed to do the job. The unchanging God has promised deliverance. And the unchanging God will never fail, will never fail. You know, it's an amazing thing. We sing it so easy, you know. Jesus never fails. But we don't trust him to do the job he wants done. We sing about the faithfulness of God, and yet we trust ourselves instead of God. How easy it is for us to do this. And notice what God does. We come to it again. Come now, I will send you to Pharaoh to deliver Israel. Who am I? But I'll be with you. But who are you? I'm the eternal, ever-present God. This is my name. I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, and so on. 
and they shall hearken to your voice. You will come, you and the elders of Israel unto the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us, and now let us go, we beseech you, three days' journey into the wilderness. We may sacrifice to the Lord our God. I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand, and I will stretch out my hand, and I will smite Egypt with all my wonders which I will do in the midst thereof, and after that he will let you go. I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. To come to pass, you'll not go out empty. You'll ask, every one shall ask of his neighbor, and so on, and you will spoil the Egyptians. In other words, you're going to pay wages for 400 years of service for nothing. I'm going to give you your wages. Now, wouldn't you think Moses would be ready to do that? Not on your life. So you have the second objection. First one is, who am I? Why pick on me? The answer, I'll be with you. Who are you? Then God tells you what he's going to do. Now, chapter 4 starts with his second objection, and that is, the people will not believe me. Now he's going to hide behind the unbelief of the people of Israel. It's no use. When I tried it before, 40 years ago, I tried to deliver them, and they, they wouldn't have none of it. And no, sir, they wouldn't even look at me. But I ran for my life. And so God begins to give him assurance. Not just mention it in close. He says, they will not believe me. They'll not hearken to my voice. They'll say, the Lord hath not appeared to you. And then, then you remember the Lord said, what have you had in your hand? What do you have in your hand? A rod. What's a rod? Dried up old stick. Throw it down. Became a serpent. You remember in Egypt, they worshipped the serpent. And Moses got scared and ran away. And God says, pick it up. It became a rod again. Take your hand and put it in your bosom. It became leprous. Put your hand back in your bosom again. It became like a little child. They won't believe these two. I'll give you a third one. Take the water, pour it on the ground. It'll become blood. In other words, God is doing this to, to assure Moses that, that God's going to be with him. But the important thing that I want in your heart is when God says, come now, it's time to move. It's time to move. But you and I always object to what God wants. I shouldn't say always, should I? But how often we do. We look at ourselves and we won't do anything for God. We see our inefficiency instead of seeing His efficiency. How easy it is to be self-confident and try to do it in the flesh, and we get into trouble. Oh, how, how wonderful if you and I were to just say, Lord, if this thing's to be done, you must do it. I offer myself as a channel to whom the Spirit of God will do your job, the work you want done through me. All he wants is you. All he wants is me. And that marvelous word, when Moses said, Who am I? I'm nobody. All right, says God, I'll be with you and I'll do it. I'll, I'll bring them out. I'll bring them out of Egypt. I'll do the job. All I want is a leader, a man of faith. May God take these simple lessons and make them real to you and real to me. I want you to know that, that what I'm after is that as we read the Word of God concerning these servants of God, 
we may learn the lesson because they were just men and women like you and me. All he wants is you. All he wants is me. To be able to say whether I live or whether I die as long as Christ is magnified in my body, that the will of God might be perfected in you and perfected in me. Now the Lord bless you today for his name's sake. When I think of Jesus dying on the cross for me, thine Lord would I be, freely giving up his life from sin to set me free. Thine Lord would I be. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. The Unchanging Word is dependent on the support of our listeners. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.